to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. I reckon if we didn't take him in that weekend, he would have passed away. I reckon I would have walked downstairs and seen him in his cot and he would have been dead. And it was like I was questioning it even taking him. I was like, oh, I can't be that bad. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Just before Bobby's second birthday, he came down with what his parents thought was just a simple cold. But within an hour, a blood test revealed the worst possible news. He had leukaemia. Bobby's mum, Ness, is a warrior and one of the strongest women I know. This is her story. Ness, welcome to The Deep. Hi, Zoe. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, mm. but I am excited. I'm excited to tell our story. To be really transparent, I am so uncomfortable today. So mm. uncomfortable. I mean, your little boy, Bobby, has cancer, and we're going to get into that. But it feels like... You are literally in, and I'm sure it's not just mine, but a lot of people listening, their worst nightmare. You wouldn't wish this on anybody, not even your worst enemy. Tell me about what happened to take you to the doctor that all of this was realised. What was Bobby's symptoms? Well, that's the thing. Like We didn't even think there was something wrong. Bobby was, it was like three or four days before he was turning two. And um, he just, he was still Bobby. Like he was still wild, crazy. The only thing was that he was just off his food a little bit. And he was just, you know, I thought he had some kind of viral infection or some kind of cold because he was just tired but the only reason why I decided to ring the doctor and it was lockdown. So we weren't allowed to go into the doctors. Mm. So I had to call the doctor and do a video call. And um, my GP said um, to take him up to the doctors. Only reason was because he had bruises all over his legs, mm. which were just, you know, normal for a two-year-old, but not so normal that they were, they weren't going away. Yeah. So we, decided to go up to the hospital literally they dragged us put us straight into the room did a blood test on Bobby and he was playing around like there was absolutely nothing wrong and this craziest thing was all these doctors kept walking past walking past the door and keep staring at Bobby and I was like why are they looking like what's going on and then um, after they did the blood test about an hour later um, the doctor came in and 
said, oh, you're, you're probably best to give your partner a call. And oh, I was fuck. like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. And luckily my brother, he works at the hospital and he was there and he was waiting with me. And um, they literally had two doctors come in, a social worker, and I was on my phone to my partner, Colin, and they just said, look, there's no easy way for us to say this, but Bobby has cancer. And I was like, what? I was like, I literally said, what the fuck? I was like, how, how is that possible? Like, how is that possible? And they're like, you need to get your partner to bring some bags because your bag's enclosed, you're not going anywhere. So from the GP saying go to the doctors, you literally were given a blood test and within one hour of the results, they knew that there was cancer. Yeah, the, the thing was, and this is why all the doctors were walking around and looking at the window at Bobby because he's white blood cells. So for a normal person, they should be between 5 and 11. But Bobby's were at 360. <gasps> and so that is extremely dangerous. And after a time, my doctor told me that that was the worst I've ever seen. And they couldn't understand how this boy was still playing and playing and he was holy shit yeah literally it was it was wild from so that from moment the, from the um time the first symptoms started to the diagnosis was that a week a few days a couple I, of weeks i try and look back and think when when did i see these signs like because they always say you know weight loss tiredness you know yeah cancer like you you don't you don't think you don't think that it, these are the signs, but because he's too, like he can't communicate. So, baby, you 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 just don't know. Like you just look at your your child and think, oh, you know, he's a bit off his food. He's a bit tired. He must be teething, or of he's course, just got a, a upset. You know, you you don't think it's going to be this extreme. Like none of us thought this was going to be oh the my outcome. God, oh my God, and I look at. The thing, the power of your social media, and we'll put the handle yeah. here if anyone wants to look and support. Oh, I know. Oh, like fuck. it's heartbreaking. It is. Oh, and and I'm not even you, you know. Mm. And I'm watching. I can literally feel your pain and his pain through this and then I look at my babies and I go why 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 and the cruel the cruelness you know of it all it's so fucking cruel like it is it's brutal it's there is there is no child or human should ever endure cancer it is the most heartbreaking and they call it a journey like I hate that word they say this is going to be the hardest journey you're going to ever endure um but it's not it's just a it's a roller coaster it's a nightmare it's a nightmare it's anyone's worst nightmare and you have other children how old are they yes so we are a blended family we Mm -hmm. have Charlie she's 10 um, Rosie is 10, um, Eddie is 8, turning 9, and Will is turning 6 soon. And then we have Bobby, who is me and Collins, our baby, our, our last baby, we call him. Okay, so um, 
I'm just thinking logistics now when they say, bring your clothes. Yeah. You're going nowhere. I'm thinking, okay, we've got to pick up the kids from school. What are they having for dinner? Yep. Someone's got sport on the Savo. What happens? We literally do one night in, one night at home. So we can actually be a parent to the other kids yeah. and then go into the hospital and spend time with Bobby. But the kids, like they have so much activities. It's ridiculous. They have, of course. And Eddie is such a footy soccer fan and Charlie does swimming and dancing. Rosie does dancing. Will does football. Like it's never ending. But like what's what we had to do as a family, we had to decide. Colin was working a three-cycle shift and I literally couldn't be in the hospital for weeks on weeks and not come home to see the kids and he couldn't be at work and then be at home with the kids it just wasn't working so he had to take some time off work to to help and we're going to get to that because yeah. the financial strain is a whole yeah. nother kettle oh of God, fish yes, it is so let us um park that and we'll return mm-hmm. when yeah. my mum was diagnosed with cancer yeah. in my heart and my soul I knew this was it, right? And I looked at her and I was like, I always knew it was too good to be true to have her as my mother. And I always knew growing up that she was going to die early. And I, when the, when it happened, I was just like, it wasn't even, um, obviously for her, it was like, we're going to be doing all of the treatments, but I fucking knew, like I knew it. And I'm not saying that's true for everyone because lots of people beat cancer, but in that moment, did you go, this is going to be rough for a few years or did you go, I don't know if this is going to, did you go to death straight away? Um, I, I feel like I try and not think like that, but I guess at the end behind, like at the back of your mind, like, it is. It's something that you're always going to think about. Like you, I try and make the most of every moment I have with him because it is like it's cancer. It's, it's something that will kill you unless you treat it. So what is it? What does he have? He has um, T-cell acute leukemia, which is there are so many different types of leukemia. Yeah. But Bobby has the rare aggressive type. Okay, so it's an aggressive blood cancer. A blood cancer. So it's literally throughout your whole body, in your brain, everywhere. So it's through. That's very hard to treat, I'm assuming. Yeah. It's not like one little area that you can hone in on. No, it's it's. but it is so common, unfortunately. Leukemia is one of the most common childhood cancers. And, and the- when you say common um, what are, do you know statistics around that? Like- yes. So leukemia, um, depending on what type, um, Bobby's is 80% survival rate. Oh, okay. That's happy. Yeah, it is good. Awesome. But there is, there is, um, always the side effects. So, oh my because, God, because yes. he has the rare aggressive and it's high risk. He has been given, um, his treatment has been brutal and they say that it's not necessarily the cancer that kills the child or the person it's the treatment the fucking treatment it's the fu- it's the treatment which is like of course it's that double-edged sword right yeah. we need the treatment to fight the cancer but the Correct. yeah the the poison that the yeah. treatment is the detrimental effects the long-term effects yeah, that's right. Um, I want to ask you something. If yeah. you didn't take him to I the know. doctor, mm-hmm. 
and you're saying it's very aggressive. What did that timeline look like for you? So the weekend, the week, so it was on the Thursday. I still remember the date. It was the 7th of October, so seven days after his second birthday. That weekend on the, it was the Thursday we went in. So on the Saturday, they had to put him in for emergency and we nearly lost him. He nearly died on the operating table. Was this prior to treatment? Yeah, two days after we were diagnosed. They had to do emergency surgery to get, um, they needed to get a bone marrow sample to see like what level and what risk Bobby's cancer was and what cancer it actually was. Was something happening to him? Was he failing in some way that you were like, there was urgency? Yeah, he had, um, because his white blood cells were so high, they had to treat him fast and they needed to put a central line into his chest because while he was in for the few days, they were using, you know, um, cannulas in his arm. But because his blood cells were so high and his platelets were so low, he just kept bleeding, kept bleeding. Um, so it wasn't safe for from him. where from his arms his hands they even put it on his feet because when you have low platelets that's why the bruises come and show they don't heal themselves and I'm just thinking there's been times in my baby's lives where they're like oh, oh just check God. with a blood test and I don't yeah. even want to do the blood test mm. I don't even want to put a needle oh God near a baby yeah and then I look at Bobby and I see his line. Yeah. I see his tubes. Yeah. I just think, fuck. I know it's brutal. Oh, and like for a two-year-old, for a two-year-old, you know, like- I know. And the saddest thing, and this is what breaks my heart is now with everything that happens, like, cause Bobby with all his injections and all his bloods, he now knows like, and this is how brutal it is. He, he doesn't even fight it anymore. He just, lies and he just takes it like all these kids and and it's the saddest this is a sad story this nurse told me that they were putting an ng tube into a like a 10 year old boy and he knew it was going to happen and he was he just laid there and he didn't fight it and they put the ng tube and she was like all i could see was tears just coming down his eyes his face because he he was like what's the point of fighting it anymore i have no choice they have to do it. So it's just, <sighs> it's heartbreaking. I just, yeah, I, I, I just lost for words on mm. <sighs> the, the, and we haven't even gotten to chemo yet, you know, like this is the beginning. So at the beginning when he was in for that emergency surgery and they'll put in his central line into his chest. So there's two different kinds of lines that they put into the kid's chest. They can have a port, mm-hmm. which is not for high risk, and it's it's like a little valve that they put under the skin. So the, the line goes straight into the heart valve to yeah. get. But Bobby has a central line, so it's on the outside. Um, and so when they were putting it in, because his plate, um, his white blood cells actually rose to over 500, which is like life-threatening, um, and he was bleeding out from the line and they had to, like, you know, they were holding it and um, pressing on it. They had to give him a blood transfusion on that spot. Um, but for an over an hour, he was bleeding. He was bleeding out. And so when we... And that was just for you oh to watch. Oh, my God. 
yeah, oh, my God, especially when he came out of surgery, I was like I literally just broke down on the floor and I had to walk out. I couldn't see it anymore. Just seeing him like that was for the first time, I think, was probably one of the most hardest things. You're seeing these horrors. Yeah. And then in the background, the other kids still exist. My God, yeah. The trauma that you're facing Mm -hmm. and handling and then being there for Bobby in whatever way you can be there with your, you know, kind of um, detaching moments so you're present and happy and bubbly and then going to the kids and then, oh, my God. Having to pretend to the kids, I think at the beginning was probably the hardest thing because my eldest daughter, she has – she has ADHD and she has learning difficulties and she needs me. She, like she needs me around and she found it so difficult for mum to be away and she didn't understand and she was so worried about Bobby. And there's that video of Bobby that I posted when we first got back from hospital of Bobby coming home and their connection, those yeah. two. Um, but the kids didn't understand um, and having to explain to them why we weren't there and oh what's happening gosh. with Bobby and, you know, and their first reactions was of they know of cancer. Of course. Is, you know, it's. Is he going to pass? Is, is he yeah. going to stay with us? Yeah. It's just so complicated and sad for everybody because the children all of a sudden, their whole world has collapsed. Yeah. We, did you start to see things shift? Obviously yeah. your daughter really needs you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're still, we're still struggling. Like it's, it's, it's full on. And it's the shittest thing as well. Like the kids, when Bobby was in hospital and we're in there for months at a time, the kids couldn't come and see him. Because of COVID, right? So one parent at a time were allowed in the hospital. So as well as Colin and I didn't even have, we don't have like a relationship when you're in hospital. You of course, you're disconnected team. and you're not. You can't see like because you literally have to, you get 20 minutes wow. together and then you have to leave. And you're catching up and sharing notes and yeah, you don't much. even get to hug or love no. or yeah, no, you the don't. strain, the strain on every element. But the kids, yeah, they, they struggle and they worry, you know, the constant worry. They know what cancer is and what it does to you. Can you tell me how old he is now? Bobby is two and a half, so he'll be three in October. So we've been in treatment six for seven, six, seven. Yeah, six, six, seven months. I'm three, I've lost counts. Yeah. And um, tell me about the moment where they were like, these are our treatment plans. You Do you choose or they're just no. like, this is what we have to do? No, so after they did that whole first surgery, he was high risk. Um, he had he had um, fluid and like a bone mass in the middle of his chest from all the leukemia cells. So they had to fight. They had to act fast, and um, he went straight onto steroids. And steroids, they've done a big study that actually kill leukemia cells. So he was on steroids for the first month and they call the first month induction. So it's the most full-on brutal. Mm -hmm. They have to act fast. And so treatment started straight away. Uh, It was wild the first month. We actually ended up being in hospital for the whole month and that's when 
Bobby hit rock bottom. He was so unwell. And when we're saying that, because obviously he's, it started with flu-like symptoms, but okay playing. Yeah, he was fine. You wouldn't even think like it was going to be what it was because he was like running around. There was, you wouldn't think. The only thing was the food and the bruises, which is the scariest thing. Which is also incredibly insightful for everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because things that we could often overlook. Always. You know, the great thing about media as well, I've had so many mums reach out to me and like, what were your first signs? And I've had a mum actually reach out and, and she was like, I'm very worried about my son. And I was like, we'll take him straight up, get him checked. And he was actually diagnosed a few <gasps> days later oh with God. the same cancer as Bobby. Wow. I know. So when they start this treatment and you're saying he's at rock bottom, yeah. what is his state like? What is his health like? Can you explain that? Um, the first month he, they started the treatment. He was on steroids. The chemotherapy was so full on. Um, and with all different chemotherapies, there is so many different side effects and the fact of it wasn't the chemotherapy, it was all the side effects from the chemotherapy that really broke Bobby. What were you witnessing with him? Is he physically in pain? Yeah, we, one point of that month, the first month, he um, couldn't, you couldn't even touch his legs or touch his arms because the nerve pain, the nerve damage that the chemotherapy has done to his little body he was like screaming in pain. Even if you're trying to change his nappy or put pants on him, you couldn't touch his legs. So wow. the next minute they're like, okay, we have to put him on gabapentin because that's nerve pain, nerve damage, which is one of the side effects of one of the chemos. And then he had another chemo, which is the side effect, which caused blood clots. And, of course, that first month we were having so much trouble with him and he started doing all these different things like he was having eye flutters and twitches with his hands and we just thought, oh, it's from the morphine because they put him on morphine because he was so in so much pain. Um, but then I was to the doctors, I was like, there is something wrong. There's something really wrong with him. It's not just the cancer. It's not just the chemo. There's something else mm. happening. And lucky one nurse come in and she's like, yeah, I can, I can see there's something different about him. So they went and did an emergency CT scan and MRI on him. And they found a 12 centimeter blood clot in his brain <gasps> from the tip of his head all the way down to the bottom. And he was having focal seizures. And that was the reason because one of these chemotherapies drugs had caused a blood clot in the brain. And this is in the one, of the, one of the side effects from it. Yeah. So this just seems like it's, it, it, it's not even just cancer now. No, no. It's like it this is. impact from drugs oh, the that caused all these other issues. The amount of drugs that he's had um, and this blood clot. Did they remove the blood clot? No, that, no, it's too dangerous. Too dangerous. Is it still in there? And it's, it's, it's shrunk, but for the last literally six months, we have to inject Bobby, me and Colin, um, into his 
fat to his thigh or his lower tummy of um, clexine, which is a blood thinner, to every day, twelve every twelve hours, twice a day, twice a day. Morning you have and to night. inject him. Yeah, you should see his little bruises. They're oh not even little god. on his legs. Oh my god! Uh-huh. I just my whole body is aching. Yeah. Just thinking of what this child is enduring every day. Where is he today? He is um, getting ready and is about to go to hospital. <laughs> Dad, Colin's about to take him. He needs to have blood tests done because um, he might need a platelet or a blood transfusion because he's very pale. And um, with the clexine, that's another side effect, it makes his platelets drop, which means he needs a platelet transfusion. And this, blood- it just seems like madness. It, <laughs> it is. It's so bizarre. And the funny thing is, Zoe, it's like now I'm so used to it. Like this is my life. And it's funny, like I had friends over last weekend and, you know, we're getting his medicine ready and because he doesn't take it orally, we have to put it through the tube and they're like, look at us and they go, this is not normal. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, we don't see this, so it's really bizarre. And I was like, you know, putting us putting all his medicine through the tube and then us having to inject him and they're like you don't even communicate you just know what you're doing and I'm like we do like it's just every day now you've become a nurse pretty much I I pretty much and a carer a full-time yeah this is going to sound really naive but if no. you never did any of these treatments yeah he wouldn't be here like currently yeah it would have gotten him already I reckon if we didn't take him in that weekend he would have passed away I reckon (gasps) he would have walked downstairs and seen him in his cot and he would have been dead I really don't I do I really feel like that would have it would have happened and that's the thing and it was like I was questioning it even taking him I was like oh it can't be that bad like it really can't but the reality of what I seen when we got there and how worried the doctors were because the doctor did say to me on the weekend, she said, you know, it's touch, it's touch and go. And I was like, what the fuck? What now? No, on the weekend when we first got in. Okay. Touch and go. Like he might not make this. No, he might not make it. And so when that happens, you obviously are desperate to do whatever it takes, right? Any yeah. parent would be just give him all of the drugs. Yeah. And now you're in the midst of it. <sighs> yes. You're six months in. Yeah. Are you like, do we need to do all of this? Yeah. Do we need every single element because of the, the impact on the teeny tiny body? I yeah, I know you do. You, you need do. to do it all. You need to you just do. follow the lead and trust. You do. We've been on such a roller coaster of this, pro- like every month, every three months is a different protocol. So it's a different treatment. So like one month you do injections at home, which is chemotherapy injections into the leg as well with or- oral chemo. And then there was last month, the last three months, we're in a block, which was the most brutal block ever where we actually were impatient and you had to stay for seven nights and Bobby had 12 different kinds of chemo in six days Shit! with all that the side effects from what happened to him that week because he's stuck in a bed he can't walk like at the beginning at the first month he's lost all his ability to walk or stand or crawl 
So he was in a wheelchair for three months. And this little boy just wants to play. I know. This little boy just wants to see his mates, his siblings. I know. Be a normal two-year-old. And you can't even, and the thing is, this is like potentially the worst age ever because they're old enough to know something's yeah. wrong, but not old enough to understand and communicate. Like, yeah. just, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, with all of this now, this is your life. This is his life. Yeah. What is happening? What is the timeline of this treatment? How. When are we getting our results? When are we healthy? Yeah. So um, for this, for what he has, and it's a two-year treatment plan and it can be longer, can be shorter, but it's not normally shorter. It's normally um, over a year. They normally say seven to nine months of full-on chemo treatment and even later when you hit remission. So you have to hit a marker so you have to have no leukemia cells in his body to hit remission so we're still fighting to get there we had um, his last bone marrow test last week he still has under five percent of leukemia cells um so we've still got a little long way to go meaning five percent to your well the Five percent is the marker. So if you hit five percent, that means you have to go for a bone marrow transplant, which is a whole nother avenue. It's where you're in isolation for three months, and you can't leave. He can't leave, and it's where he will hit rock bottom again. It's like the last resort, unfortunately. So we haven't hit that marker just yet. Well, hopefully, we never hit that marker, but. We're yes, still yes, yes, yes. fighting to get Bobby to negatives with no leukemia cells at all. Okay. So they say the treatment plan is two yeah. years. You're six months in. Yep. Six months in, still got such a long way to go. We just want to hit remission. So remission is where you do maintenance. So maintenance chemotherapy at home. And... How far off that are we? I know that's oh, probably the question I reckon, every day. I but... reckon hopefully like another four to five months. Fingers okay. crossed that we still potter along and do what we're doing and Bobby still reacts well to the amount of chemo he's having because he has so many side effects now. Like he can't even walk the same. He can't even bend down and pick up something. Like he has so many sensory problems, speech problems. It's fucking heartbreaking. No one should ever go through this. And the thing is, you're in this ward oh with all these God. other children. I know, when I first, we were first in the ward and I looked at these, we had two girls across from us and they were probably five and six. One had a brain cancer and the other one had leukemia and that first night that I stayed in hospital and I had to listen oh, to these poor girls, one of them was screaming, like screaming in agony, asking and telling her dad, why, why me, why me? And then this other girl had her line accidentally pulled out because she got it stuck on the bed from her chest. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck have I got? Like, what are we, what have we got to get ourselves into? Like, how are we going to survive this? 
I had no idea, no idea what the next six months this whole journey was ever going to endure for us. What people are going to be just thinking, what can I do? What can I, like uh, when I put that picture up, asking people what they would, uh, I'll go through those questions with you, but one of the main ones was what blood type is he? Can I give him my blood? How can I give him my blood? This is my my heart, like my favourite foundation, the blood bank are the most important thing. I never realised, I never donated before this happened and I, I feel so terrible to say that, but Bobby has had like I would say over 30 blood transfusions, over 30 platelet transfusions. And you've got to think there are hundreds and hundreds of sick kids with cancer and all they need is blood transfusions. Like it's the, probably one of the most important things that anyone can do is go and donate You've make the, time. the easiest so thing too. I did it and I was, I was scared, but it wasn't even, it was five minutes, five minutes of my time that saves person like Bobby. Like this is what I said. I walked in there and it was funny. I was like, this is Bobby and I want to thank you all because what you're doing is saving a life like Bobby, my son. Mm. Okay, well, that is one. What about you personally? Because what I am thinking, mm. Ness, is, you are in complete chaos and living off your adrenals and I'm not sure who is making your food or if you've got anything nutritious at home or what the groceries are like or who's paying the bills or, you know, all that shit that just piles up in your life, let alone you going for a walk. I don't even know how you're on this interview, like getting a minute to have a walk or a minute to have a cry or a minute to do something that feels good, someone to give you a massage. Like, is that just non-existent? Um, I, I don't have time for myself. I, we are in such a beautiful community and I'm so grateful for a lot of parents and people and anyone that have my my kids' school have organised a meal train, so they all put they put their names down and they'll drop food off for dinners for us. We've had, you know, lunches because I I don't have the time. I the last thing I can do is come home after doing homework and sending Charlie to all her special needs appointments. And me and Colin don't even have time. I don't remember the last time we actually had us time. A yeah. minute. Like yeah. we don't have family support. And how we're going to come back to you, but how is Colin? How is his no. mental health? How is he's, He struggles. He really, he really struggles. He makes the time every day to be there for Bobby. And I think he felt really obligated to be here. And at the beginning when I was like, I need you, I need you to help with Bobby. All I need you is to be here. I need you to take mm. some of the front of all this. Yeah. But he, yeah. he, oh, yeah, he struggles. He doesn't, you know, men, they don't talk about their emotions. Yeah. And seeing Bobby like the way he's seen, because Bobby, Colin always does the operations. So every two weeks he goes for surgery because I can't 
Yeah. Does he? Every two, two weeks, weeks. he has to go be put under. You're not even recovered within no. two weeks for the next Once one. Once he had one, yeah. So he has it every two weeks. He has a bone marrow um, chemotherapy into the spine and, and a lumbar oh, puncture. And I did it once at the beginning and I was like, I will, I can't ever do that again. I couldn't. What was it Just about that? having to put him to sleep. Like the whole... Too scary. Just watching him, the whole thing of him just put the mask over his face, all these doctors around, and him going to sleep, and then him waking up was probably another of the hardest things as well. But yeah, Colin, that's he's he's. How does he wake up? Um, angry, frustrated. He doesn't know where he is, why this is happening to him. How can we make things better for him? I don't even know. I don't even. All I want to do is make everything better for him. I can't even make it better. What brings him joy? He loves his family. He loves playing with his cars, his trucks, when he feels like it, when he's up for it. Um, yeah. You know, he loves animals. You know, I wish I wish we could take him down to the beach and let him put his feet into the water, but we can't even do that. We can't even get wet because of the central line. But, Ness, it's just so fucking you know, sad. It's heartbreaking. You are amazing. You, I know that, like, <laughs> what a parent's supposed to do, you've got to fucking no, do you it. You do. You really have to. You are just a hero and you're going to be a hero to him forever. I, I hope so. I really do. I hope we can look back at this shit, what they call a journey, and be like, we fucking rocked it. He rocked it. Yeah, he, he rocked did it. it. He's a warrior. He sh- he showed <sighs> that fucking cancer. I remember seeing a photo of him. It was one of the biggest ones for me because I have this huge vomit oh phobia. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. But, yeah. Do you know the picture I'm yeah, talking about? The There's no bread bed sheets because he was stealing yeah. up all night. And you had covered him, like, or surrounded him with yeah. towels. And he, oh, my God. I remember that night. He was just in this fetal position. Heartbreaking. Bald, bald and frail and pale and sad and, oh, shit. It was this image that will haunt me for the rest of my life of this. Yeah. Just this little, little tiny boy with so much pain and so much discomfort and so, ah, it just was horrible, you know, and I really love that you share these parts because I think it is really important for us to all understand what people are seriously going through, all the in-between moments, you know. It's not just going in and getting chemotherapy and coming home. There's so much more to it. It is, it's, it's brutal. And that's why I try to be honest so people realise that, you know, it's it's not just a child that sits in a bed with a bald head and a tube and in their nose smiling. It's nothing like that. It is nothing like it. No. It is. No, it's not like the no, TV commercials. No, it's not. What is the um, government support line? Oh, well, it's terrible. <laughs> It's terrible. You get a carer's payment, which is like 
a couple hundred dollars a fortnight. And that's supposed to support the whole family. And that's all of you. So you aren't working, obviously. Not working. I think I saw that Colin has just stepped back. Yeah, he's had to take another three months off just to get us through to if we hit maintenance. Um, Yes. So financially, um, shit is tough. It is extremely tough. It's another stress that you don't need. How are you making ends meet? How are you? We pretty much live off the GoFundMe page at the moment. Wow. So that is really making an impact because yeah. I think sometimes people go, where does that money yeah, go? Yeah, no, it goes, it, it pays groceries, pays bills, it pays our rent, bills. it supports the kids, it supports us and it supports Bobby because as well, like when you get home from hospital, it's you still have to pay for equipment, you still have to pay for medication. It's not free. So not it's not all no. subsidised. So when you leave the hospital and the medication, you there have to pay. Hospital. Yeah, like the machines he needs, like his feeding machine, and and it must just feel like another burden. Do you know what I mean? Like another fucking yeah. cost that this thing we don't want to fucking deal with. We're paying for this thing. It is. So yeah, financially it is. It's a burden, but we're surviving because of the most generous, the with all these amazing people that actually have donated and helped us through this. And you know, I get embarrassed when I do post, and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm, I hate doing this, but like we, we, we need help. You're a mama bear protecting her cubs, and I think this is what people are gonna. People feel very moved a lot of the time listening and they're like they come in my dms what do i do what do i do so i think we're just going to put a direct link to the gofundme if people feel like they want to do something directly for you like to give you a minute or to give you some self-care why don't they just slip into your dms well because we'll put all of that up there because i know people want to help and people want to support and i think you must sense the kindness of strangers Um, I want to go to the questions now from socials. How do you cope and stay strong when it's such a horrible reality? I think I just like put a brave face on. I don't, I don't think I've fully dealt with it either. Like I Mm. feel like I live every day. I wake up at the same time. I do the same thing or I'm in hospital, do the same thing. And I feel like I'm just living in autopilot. Like, yes, like a, like a survival mode. I don't. And I know, I know that I haven't dealt, like I'm not dealing, like I think I'm dealing and I put the brave face on and I just do what I need to do every day. But I do know that I need to take my time and go and speak to someone and get everything off my chest because the shit I've seen and will haunt me. It's like I feel like I'm going to have PTS. You may. You actually may. And And I think that's a really wise thing to at some point it's it's a bit tough right because it's almost like taking a band-aid off a shark bite like yes it's the floodgates are open right and you're trying to just keep it together but I do think that that would be such a wise thing to do do. I need to especially just to show the kids that it's okay to go and speak to people and tell them about your feelings Mm. and what's going on someone has said how do you not hate people that complain about mundane issues? 
I love that. <laughs> Which I totally get um, too. I think everyone else, everyone has problems and they're all allowed to complain about their problems. It's just my problem's a little bit more extreme, but um, I, I don't, that doesn't, doesn't phase me. Everyone has a shit day or a shit problem. It's, that's, that's life. Someone has said they saw that your brother yeah. has cancer. He had. Oh, had cancer. Is it genetic? No. So when we were, I I thought so as well, but no, it has no genetics. It's, it's just bad fucking luck. And unfortunately, I'm, I was un, the chosen one in, in some sense of a way. Mm. My best friend always says to me, um, the only person that could go through this is someone like you, Ness. You know, you're so, you know, you're brave, you're strong, and you're a kind of person that can deal with this. And when my brother was diagnosed, he just got back from Canada and he was in there, he was there for 10 years. And he came home and he just wasn't himself and, you know, all the tests. And he, we nearly lost him. He had fluid on the heart, fluid on the lungs, and... You know, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so he started mm. treatment and he moved in with me and I cared for him and I looked after him while he was in treatment as well. But now he's, I think it's like four years, five years since he's had, um, and he's in remission and he just had a baby. Oh I know. my God, so, that's amazing. You know, like, that's a happy ending for the story. Um, but the difference between my brother and Bobby, like the the treatment was not as brutal as mm. what happens, what Bobby has to go through. It's totally different, but yeah, absolutely. I but understand. no, it's not um, genetic. It's it's just bad fucking luck. Someone has said, "How the fuck do you keep going <laughs> when you've got nothing left to give?" Oh, like any other mum would. I have. You just find <laughs> you the strength deep in your soul, and you, you just. Have- Trudge along. No choice. I have no choice, and I don't want to see. I don't want my kids to see me weak. You know, I'm their mum, and I'm their strong provider. And yeah, I just keep going, keep going. This is an interesting question. If you had the option to see what the future holds, hmm. would you take it? Would I? No, I wouldn't. Definitely not. I don't want to see what my future holds. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to know right now. Would you? Like knowing if something bad mm. would happen, how would you handle it now? Or knowing, I'm thinking more so if something oh, good was going to happen. I'd love to know if something good was going to happen. But that's yeah. the thing. I guess you just no. don't know when you get asked yeah, that question. that's a hard question. What about, this is interesting, what can friends do that is actually helpful so you just mentioned the food, the food train. train i just well that's it's it's hard with bobby he well bobby yeah. no that's yeah. impossible well, right like it's the you other kids or, and all the mums always come and grab the kids and take them um and it's just yeah babysitting just you know my friends i'd love just always just to pop over and um just see how i'm doing have you lost friends? Um, no, I've g- gained so oh, many more friends. So, beautiful. so many more friends and people that I thought, you know, like people that I didn't think would ever be there have been there and they've stepped up and 
um yeah like I'm so grateful for all these amazing mums dads you know that have always take their time out just to check on me and Colin Mm. and my kids especially Mm. you are a fucking hero you are you are and I thank you so much for your time today. Sorry. Our last question yes. is who are you when no one's watching? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I'm Ness. I'm a happy person that just wants the best for my kids. All I want is Bobby to be okay. Like, I would do anything for him to be okay and for him to, you know, climb mountains at the end of this. Mm. You're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us Thanks, today. Thanks, Zoe. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate everybody. I really do. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.